welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, we're about midway through the summer. Can you believe it? In Denver, it finally stopped raining and starting to feel like actual summer. But as a part of this, I wanted to take a little bit of a break and just give you some reflections on what I've been hearing from these conversations we've been sharing on the podcast all summer long. So this is sort of a review, but also hopefully to point out some of the things I heard in my conversation with Shelly and with Andy and Coach Jen about why they no longer go to church. If you've missed any of those episodes, be sure to check back in the feed. Um, or if you just want to press on, you'll get a good summary and sense of some of the things that those three individuals said. This is just my reflections, but I'm also giving an eye towards what should the church be doing in light of what we're hearing from those who have left. What could we emphasize more strongly? What could we guard against? Where have we failed? I think this is an important thing for us to consider. Hopefully also it gives you a better sense of why I've been sharing these none conversations with people who have no religious affiliation. I hope you enjoy it. It's something a little different. Be on the lookout for more interviews in the weeks ahead. But now some reflections on the first half of these summer podcasts. Friends, we're about midway through the summer, and as you've probably noticed here on this podcast feed, I have been conducting a series of interviews over the course of this summer with a lot of my longtime friends about their experience in the church. And in particular, I'm seeking out individuals who have no more connection to a church, who don't attend regularly, a series that we're affectionately calling The Nuns, N-O-N-E-S. And in the course of these interviews, I thought it might be smart here in the middle of summer to just stop and to sort of reorient ourselves um, to summarize a little bit of what we heard, but to also help us think about what uh, we should be taking away from these different interviews. I had some people ask me like, hey, why are you doing this? And so I thought, hey, why not make a podcast episode exactly about why I'm doing this and what I think is important uh, that we can learn together as people of faith through uh, these different conversations that I've recorded and shared with all of you. Additionally, I'll confess, (laughs) um, I am having trouble at the moment lining up the next people to interview. So there was sort of a gap in the schedule here. I do have, I think, three to four more none interviews if I can convince these people to come on the podcast and or uh, get our schedules aligned. Uh, So stay tuned for more. But this is sort of the midsummer break as we uh, investigate and rethink. So to this point, and here's the nice thing too, if you haven't been listening to the Together for Good podcast and you've missed those previous interviews, interviews, I mean, what have you been doing? But uh, no, there's grace abounds. This is a nice summary for you as well, where you can kind of be like, oh, that's what that's about. And if something sounds interesting, I do encourage you to go back in the feed and listen to some of those older conversations that we have there. But I think the way to really look at, as we continue through the summer and as we reflect on what we've already heard, I hope that as people who um, maybe attend church on a regular basis, I think that's the majority of our audience, for us to listen to these stories and think and be honest about the ways that the church has failed some of these people, to also think about what we can be guarding against in the future, and to really think about how we can present ourselves differently 
so that we're emphasizing the types of things that really matter to people as opposed to maybe, you know, less emphasis on the stuff that has scared people away from church. So those are kind of the three pieces that I'm using to frame this conversation that we're having here today. Uh, The three pieces that I'm using to understand also what we've heard already. So in particular, how have we failed individuals. As you listen to the conversations that I've had with Shelly and Andy and Coach Jen, you heard um, specifically from Coach Jen, she talked a lot about uh, the hypocrisy of Christians a lot of the time and how people will um, take certain things for granted and, and they'll take certain truths and act certain ways at church and then behave completely differently. And, and they'll even, you know, maybe receive God's grace for themselves and, and, and talk about what a gift that is for their life, but then have no capacity towards sharing that grace with others. I, and I think that's such an incredible insight for us to really think about is the ways that the things we say at church, the, the things that we know are true about God well, hopefully we are conduits of those truths. Hopefully we are carrying forward into the world the very nature of God's character. I'm not saying that we become godly ourselves, but that we have a duty to reflect what we've received from God. In the Lutheran church, there's a really common phrase that appears in a lot of Lutheran theological writing and in particular different documents, etc. And it talks about how our calling is always in light of and in response to God's grace. So it always starts with grace, what God does for us first. But then in light of that grace and in response to that grace, we should care for others, do good works in the world. Uh, There's always this weird balance between good works um, and God's grace. And what I think we can often fall into is this trap of thinking that because of God's grace, we don't have to do good works at all. And certainly there's writing from Martin Luther himself where he talks about good works are not what earn you salvation, right? No, it, it is a gift from God. However, Luther also writes about how in light of and in response to God's grace, we need to serve our neighbors. We need to act with love and compassion, the same love and compassion that we ourselves have received. We have a responsibility to carry that forward into the world. And so imagine, you know, if the, if the church acted more like this, if the church was more reflective of God's grace and less hypocritical, how much different would the world be? Who would still be involved in church communities if we could act in this way? See, these are the reasons we have these conversations is for us to ask the hard questions of ourselves and to really think uh, about our responsibility as a Christian. If we're going to claim that identity and title for ourselves, well then, how should we respond and how should we behave? And how has that title in the past gone awry for different people, different churches, different situations? The other piece that I kind of mentioned is that we can be thinking about what we can guard against. This is very similar to that question of how has the church failed. Uh, But in the course of these conversations with people who are no longer connected with the church, uh, we heard about insisting on the rules. This is something that that interview with Shelley that came up where she uh, grew up in the Catholic church and had, there was so much emphasis for her on the rules and the things that she needed to do. And finally, one day she just said like, wait a second, like why, why do I have to do all of this stuff? Um, now I'm not lobbying for a complete, just like expulsion of any and all rules or expectations, right? This, this kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying before. But it's in light of and in response to God's grace. And so what if the church emphasized rules less? 
again, I'm not like <laughs> not lobbying for anarchy uh, or anything like that. But but historically, there has been such an emphasis on morals, and, and not even on morals necessarily, but also on on just certain expectations. Like, oh, you have to dress up to go to church. Oh, like you better do things the right way when you're in this church building. And I understand why that's really important to some people. You know, having a sense of the sacred and honoring God through the ways that we present ourselves. I understand why that's so important for certain people. And yet in the same moment, I can also see how that can feel like such a turnoff to folks who just want a place where they feel like they can belong, who are having a really hard time in their life. And for them to walk into our doors and then feel like, gosh, like everyone was judging me because I didn't know when to stand up or when to sit down or I accidentally dropped my wafer in the communion cup. Like that, that can really leave a negative imprint on people. And, and it's a way where we are not being incredibly, you know, really welcoming to those who God sends our way. And I really do believe that, that the people who walk through our doors are sent by the Holy Spirit and that we have a responsibility to welcome them. It says that even in the scriptures, that when we welcome strangers, some have entertained angels in their presence. Also kind of thinking on the insisting on the rules, I'm reminded of, uh, sorry, mom, um, I don't know if you're listening or not, but I am reminded of how I was always forced to wear my church shoes and that there were church shoes that I hated to wear as a kid. It was my least favorite part. I didn't want to go to church because I had to wear those stupid church shoes and as soon as I would get in the pew, I would take my shoes off. And if I, then um, my mother would often be horribly embarrassed that I was there without shoes on in my stocking feet. And so it was always this mad scramble for me to get my shoes on so I could go up for communion. Because the worst thing that could happen would be that I'd go up for communion without shoes on in my stocking feet. Uh, and, you know, and that leaves a negative imprint. <laughs> right? what, what was that teaching me in those moments when we emphasize the rules so stringently? What message does that often convey? Uh, I, again, in, in retrospect, I understand a lot of it. And I understand why people really care about how we present ourselves to the world and how we present ourselves in God's house, as some people would call it. And in the same sense, what if we didn't put quite as much a premium on it? What if the premium was much more so on welcome and hospitality and care for the stranger or the newcomer in our midst? How much differently would the church look if that's what we focused on, if that's what we emphasized? Another piece attached to this that we heard in my conversation with Coach Jen was about uh, the insistence on shame. And Coach Jen really talked about that, about how a lot of her experience growing up in the church seemed to, to tell her that she needed to get in line and do these types of things. And, and so it became really difficult for her to go back to church when she knew that she hadn't lived up to those moral expectations that were drilled within her during her youth. That then she suddenly didn't want to go back and step into a church environment when she was in college because she knew all these ways that she had failed. Again, I'm not lobbying for complete anarchy and no sense of rules or expectations. But what if the focus was much more so on this gift of grace that we've received, on this gift of grace that God is continually trying to offer us? What if, like, and, and couldn't that be more formative as well for someone who, who's made mistakes rather than feeling like because of their mistakes, they can no longer walk through church doors 
what if they could come here, mistakes and all, and then hear a message of God's grace? How much more transformative might that be for them? For them to realize that they are loved and expected despite their worst moments that they've had, that that doesn't preclude them from this community and from this love of God. Couldn't that inherently also change their behavior, transform them inside and out to say like, no, I no longer want to be the person who does X, Y, and Z. When we insist on shame, I don't think it's as effective for transforming behavior either in a real practical sense. Uh, so I do, yeah, we're, we're hitting on a continual themes here, but how much different would the church look? How many more people would still be involved if our emphasis was on welcome, hospitality, love, and grace, and helping people to know that they are so much more than their worst moment or their last mistake? Another piece within all of this, something that we can really be thinking about, is inauthentic behavior. This is a part that we heard from my friend Shelley. Or, sorry, not from my friend Shelley, from my friend Andy, who grew up in the church and his dad was one of the pastors. And one of his experiences in that setting was also um, how people treated him differently and had different expectations for him because he was the pastor's son. And he just didn't like the way that so much of it uh, didn't feel real or didn't, he didn't feel like people actually knew him for who he was. They only knew him for their expectations. Similarly, uh, Coach Jen kind of also touched on this with her talk about hypocrisy, about how people would present one way at church, but then be something completely different during the week. We need, church should be a place where we can be ourselves, hopefully, and be accepted for who we are. Inauthentic behavior is also the product of people thinking that they have to be a certain way in order to be present in a church environment. It's people thinking that they have, you know, that there are these list of expectations and so they better not let, any, let anyone see their rough edges because if they do, then they will suddenly no longer be welcome in this space. It's a tough balance. It's a really, it takes a lot of courage and vulnerability, but I think that it's something really important for churches, for Christians to consider. How can you be most fully yourself? Because, you know, that's who God created you to be. And that's who God loves is you, the true you, not some sort of mask that you're putting on in order to fit in or to feel accepted and okay. We need to cultivate greater authenticity within all of our church spaces, I think. Moving on to this sense of what can we present differently, or rather, like what should the church be emphasizing? I guess I've been touching on this already. Um, but I do think that there's something interesting about the search for truth. Shelley uh, talked about how she was kind of put off in some ways uh, by how church was always presenting itself um, as true, so to speak. And for her as a scientist, this was really just hard to connect and reconcile because there was, for her, a lot of things that her logical brain um, was was not jiving with what she was hearing in church. She, you know, was using her scientist brain and saying like, wait, but how can that be true? Can, how, can this be true? And I think a really important thing for churches to emphasize, for Christians to emphasize too, is that we do have truth. It's a capital T truth. And that doesn't necessarily work the same as scientific or historical truth with a lowercase t. Uh, so much of what the scriptures tell us 
um, of what our experience of the life of faith, it, it works on a different level than the typical scientific method that we have today. And that's okay. I don't think we should be afraid of that. This book, this collection of stories has been giving people's life meaning and direction and purpose for thousands of years. There is real truth within there about what it means to be human, how to exist within this world, um, purpose for our life. And so if we can focus more on that and not try and get pulled into these debates, there's always these debates like science versus religion. And I really think that the two can easily coexist together because they're kind of talking about different pieces of things. Science it is something that God has given us right? the human capacity to understand the inner workings of the universe on a cellular and galactic level. It's amazing. And, and those things don't have to be negated by the truths of the scriptures that tell us about a loving God who creates us, who gives our life meaning, purpose, and direction, who continually is working to save us and God's people there's just a different way of kind of understanding these sacred stories that we have that in no way needs to conflict with science. I think some people like Shelley get turned off by the church because the church continues to insist that they have to turn off their scientific brain. Uh, it's one thing I love about the Lutheran church because I think we do a really good job of holding all of these things together, of recognizing that truth um, can have a scientific and a historical realm and truth can have a, a, um, a spiritual realm as well that's just as important and just as meaningful as those other pieces. Okay, another person, part of all of this, right, in terms of what the church should emphasize, I think is the empowering of others. We heard this from my conversation with Andy uh, in the course of that, Andy talked about how he uh, was empowered by the director of this summer camp to work on staff one summer. He hadn't considered at all of that as a possibility for his life. And then that became, ended up becoming a very important part of his story. He worked at summer camp for six years um, and even contemplated going off to seminary to continue doing ministry work. And, and so it just goes to show you how incredible uh, changes in people's life can happen when we simply ask, when we say to a person, hey, I see this gift within you, that's something that the church needs to be doing again and again. That's how people will stay involved and connected. I wonder, I, I didn't get a chance to ask Andy this question. I didn't think to do it. But if, if, if this person, Jessica, hadn't reached out and asked him to be on staff that summer, would he have left the church a lot sooner? Would that have kind of been the end of his connection with the Christian faith and ministry? I, I venture to guess there's a real possibility that that would be true. And so the more that the church can do to see gifts in young people, and in anyone, frankly, not just young people, but to see gifts, to call them out, to affirm them, and to try and give people really practical places where they can then put those gifts into action what an incredibly powerful thing we can do to continue to keep people connected to our communities. Speaking of community, that's also just a piece that we heard in all three people's stories. They all talked about how one of the ways they continue to be a spiritual person is through their friends, their relationships, their community. There really is something sacred and holy about having a group of people, having a community to connect to and belong to. Coach Jen talked a little bit about how she has that community today. And so she really doesn't feel like there's anything she's missing 
uh, by not going to church. But but she does think if, if she didn't have such an incredible group of people around her, that maybe she would you know be looking for a church community for that place to build those important relationships, those authentic relationships. And so the more that the church can do this, the more that we can create spaces where people can feel like they belong, like they have friends who care about them, the more that we can create real, authentic community, the more we're doing the work that God has called us to, and the more connected people will feel. And going along with connection, that's a big part of what Shelley talked about too, was the importance of connection and a place for depth. She really loves being able to have those deeper conversations about the nature of life, the mysteries of what it means to be human. Those, you know, pieces, those deeper conversations that the Bible leads us into all the time. Shelley loves being able to have those conversations with other people. And so the more that the church, I think, can create space for that, for us to get below the surface, for it not just to be like, hey, crazy weather we've been having lately. Um, well, hey, where are you going on vacation this week? All that's good. That's the ground level. But the more that we can create space for people to really dig in to what's going on in their heart, what's going on in their life that they really care about and, and want to process with someone else. All of that are things I believe that the church could really be doing a better job of, would be, be emphasizing more. Not that we're doing a bad job of it um, here at Bethany in particular. I think there's a lot we have to be proud of when I point this all out. But just as I reflect on these conversations and on the way that the church is presenting itself to the world as a whole, these are the things that I'm seeing that, that I hope uh, we can continue here at Bethany and in other congregations and just in our life as Christians as well. Ways that we can, can push forward an expression of the church that will be more meaningful for people that will be a place they want to embrace and be a part of and hold up. So there you go. There's a midsummer update, everyone. There's some thoughts, my conversations with Shelly and Andy and Coach Jen. Again, if you missed any of them and you want to listen there, just back further in the feed, feel free to check it out and be on the lookout for further interviews with the nuns, maybe at the end of the summer. I'll try and do another recap if I hear anything new from my additional interviews coming up in the weeks and months ahead. But as always, friends, thanks for listening, for your support of the podcast. Stay in peace.